listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting this program. To find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin, go to our website, kfuo.org, and look for the CUW logo in the sponsor section there. Joining me by phone today, the Reverend Jared Melius, pastor of Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. Pastor Melius, welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for being my guest today and uh, and uh, sharing with us as we, we look to All Saints Day and that church triumphant. Uh, before we do that, tell us a little about your congregation and uh, what you do there at Mount Zion in Denver, Colorado. I, um, I am the sole pastor here at a, oh, I think kind of a medium-sized congregation called Mount Zion. It's in Denver, Colorado, right in the city, north kind of edge of the city of Denver. And, uh, oh, yeah, we have 100, 100 and so people in church on Sunday, and I've been here as a pastor for about 10 years or so. Well, thanks be to God that you're there proclaiming the good news of Jesus in Mount Zion in Denver. We have, uh, well, the, we have, our church here includes a, a number of uh, festivals and observances, and All Saints Day is one of those days in which we, we uh, well, we observe. It's been a part of the, the church calendar for a long time. What is All Saints Day? What do we, what do we observe or celebrate on All Saints Day? You know, uh, the way we have it here at Mount Zion, um, and different people do it different, but as the year goes on, there are certain days that are set apart to observe and remember and thank God for particular saints, St. Paul, for instance, or uh, Timothy, or we we had Matthew this last year, and if it happens to fall on a Sunday, oftentimes then we will observe that day, that saint's day, Timothy, or whatever it would be, instead of whatever is ordinarily scheduled. Uh, there are those certain days in the church year that are high enough, uh, that are that are, were considered so important, that we'd actually move that day, to, depending on when it was, we'd move it to the next closest Sunday. And most churches, including us here at Mount Zion, consider All Saints Day to be important enough that we will move it from its normal day, which is November 1st, uh, and we'll move it to whatever the Sunday is after. Uh, just very much like Reformation Sunday, for instance, is on October 31st. We'll move it almost always. We'll move it to the Sunday before. Uh, what we're doing on All Saints Day is the same thing that we're doing on any other day in the church year when we're remembering some particular saint. But in this case, with All Saints Day, we are particularly remembering all the Christians that have died and are now in heaven, waiting the resurrection of the dead on the last day. Um, and it went not even more so than just remembering all of them. This is called All Saints Day. But we take this particular opportunity to remember, I don't know what you'd call, uh, to remember our own saints, the ones we knew, um, the, the, the ones that we stood beside, who we saw them go through their difficulties, struggle against sin and so forth, exercise their faith, Maybe we even saw them die. And now we remember that they are not dead, but they are alive and that they're in heaven um, and that they're waiting for us. That's the basic gist of All Saints Day. So as this topic of saints, sometimes we get uh, we get uncomfortable talking about saints or those who, who have uh, gone before us. How to be clear about what we mean about saints. Yeah, okay, so that, uh, that's a fantastic question. Um, sometimes we too quickly adopt a 
Roman Catholic definition of saint. Mm -hmm. And remember, the Roman Catholic definition of saint had been someone who, uh, by their own efforts and works, got to the point where they were good enough that when they died, they could go straight to heaven. Right, and they might even had more than enough good works, and they can spread those to us. That's a Catholic doctrine. Most of us, though, do not achieve that. If you're Catholic, most of us don't achieve the status of saint, and therefore we got to go to purgatory, you know, to kind of get right with God before we can go into heaven after a while. Well, this is just a complete fiction, and isn't anywhere in the Bible. Uh, in fact, the Bible gives us that all Christians are saints. In fact, all baptized Christian, believing Christians, are saints. And the reason for that is not because they've done enough good works, for heaven's sakes, but because Jesus has done enough good works. He has been perfect, and when we're baptized, he declares us perfectly righteous. And this is why when we die, we go to heaven. That's, we, we are uh, holy. That's what the word saints mean. And so all Christians are saints. Uh, it, no matter how much of a sinner they might have been, they're declared <laughs> righteous for, for Christ's sake. So that, that's who saints are. Amen. Amen. So as we think about talking with children about this, uh, about about death and funerals and, and saints, um, and maybe some misconceptions as well, uh, where would we begin? You know, as we're, we're looking at um, All Saints Day and, and, and observing that, uh, talking about grandma or a loved one who uh, who's died, um, perhaps questions that, that children might have or misconceptions that we might have, uh, especially with, you know, observing All Saints Day. You know, my, I, I have some kids, and my, um, my experience with my kids at home and also with kids at church as we teach is that the subject that they're most interested in, off, more often than not, is the subject of heaven. Um, and so they will ask questions for, I, I, I have experienced them asking questions for well past the hour uh, on the subject of heaven. And I think probably one of the main things that we're needing to teach all Christians, and we can give this to kids to establish it in their mind early on, because it's a, it's a, it's a common misconception, and it is this. It is that when we talk about heaven, we need to make a distinction uh, a, a really a very critical distinction between the heaven as it exists now and heaven as it will exist after Jesus returns. Um, heaven as, as it exists now is taught in the Bible. It's not actually usually called heaven, believe it or not, a few places. Some pastors don't even think you should call where Christians go now in their soul heaven. I think it's fine, but Jesus calls it paradise in one place. He calls it Abraham's bosom in another place. Uh, St. Paul says, it's better to depart this body, our home in the body, and go be with the Lord. So we know that when Christians die, they, they leave their body here, and they go in their soul to be with the Lord Jesus. We know that, not just that they have him by faith, but have him by sight. But, you, you know, those are just a few details, and the Bible doesn't give us a bunch of details about what the present heaven is like where Christians are with their souls. What the Bible gives us a bunch more details is heaven after the final day, or when Jesus returns again, raises our bodies again from the dead, reunites our bodies to our souls, uh, recreates, in fact, a new heavens and a new earth, and then sets us to live on this earth forever and ever. And that's usually what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about heaven. So when we speak of the saints now, 
we need to acknowledge uh, that they are in heaven or paradise, um, that they're there and that they are uh, delighted that they can see Jesus, um, that they are without their sins and without any kind of pain. In fact, their tears have been wiped away, so they must be without sadness. Uh, but Andy, I would still be teaching um, the kids, and I do this with my own kids, that they're not done yet. They're not yet um, maybe what you would call satisfied. They're still waiting in heaven, and they're waiting for at least a couple things, uh, if you bear with me. That, uh, uh, they're waiting, we certainly know, for their bodies again. They were created with bodies. God gave them bodies. Jesus redeemed them in their body, and he gives us his own body and blood. So he, they're, they're waiting to be reunited with their bodies. It's weird, weird, weird to live as a soul without bodies. We were, that's not the way it was meant to be. So they're waiting for their bodies, and number two, at least, they are waiting for us. They're waiting to be reunited with their loved ones. They already have Jesus, which is the best, but they're waiting for us. Now, there's all kinds of things you can talk about, um, with them, but I think having that main distinction there in mind, that they are in a state where they're just waiting, it's fine, uh, but they're still waiting for the last day, and so are we. Follow me there? I don't, I don't know if that makes <laughs> But if I were a three-year-old or a ten-year-old, <laughs> a, little more, a little more challenging to follow, huh? Well, yeah, I tell you, I don't know if it matters if you're a three- or a ten-year-old, because teaching about an existence that is only in the soul is challenging for any of us. Sure. And the reason for that is because we don't know what that's even... We, we aren't made for that, and we have no idea what it's like to only be a soul. I mean, what it's like, what's it like not to have hands? Uh, it's just a bizarre kind of thing. And so I, I'm, I'm openly telling the kids, three-year-old, ten-year-old, and, and on up, Boy, I just can't tell you a whole bunch about it. Um, I know th I know a few things, but I don't know a bunch. I can tell you a lot of details about what it's going to be like when we're there on the new heavens and the new earth, but not much about the present place. What if somebody, uh, someone, you know, in trying to comfort a, a child who is um, suffering the loss of a, a loved one, a grandparent, or, or even a parent, or a sibling, or, or a friend, and uh, someone with good intention says, oh, now now he's an angel in heaven uh, looking over you, watching over you. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's wrong. It, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure where that comes from, that idea. But, in fact, it's especially wrong. Um, and I, I'll tell you why I think this is significant. You can teach the kids this, too. You know, I, I have this, I have the belief, and I, and I believe it's founded biblically, but I have the belief that God has created human beings as the pinnacle of his creation, that they are at the top. He, he, they were the last thing he created on day number six. Angels, in fact, we don't get any sense from the scriptures that angels are the pinnacle of God's creation. Humans are. And I believe one of the main reasons for that is that God has given to us which is he has not given to angels a body, and I actually I have the belief that the that, that the devil was jealous that we have a body, and that that's why he sought to destroy it with sin. But that 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 aside, becoming an angel when we go to heaven is not a move up 
It's a move down. God made us to be humans. He's redeemed us as humans. We continue to be humans there together with the angels in heaven. So looking at the, the any other myths or, or things that, that people might tell children uh, with good intentions, but not quite accurate when they're suffering a loss hmm. that you might address? Yeah, I, you know what? I, there is the, a, a myth, um, and I don't know how helpful it is that I hear quite a bit, and that is that grandma or whoever it might be is now looking down on you. Um, you know, that could be, I, I, I'm not going to say that's, that I know that's false. Hebrews 12.1 says that the, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and I think that could be the saints there. Um, but the idea there is that now Grandma is in heaven, and she is taking care of you, and it's almost as though the implication is that you could talk to her or maybe even pray to her or something like this. Um, the truth is, uh, where Grandma is now, she may not be aware of much of anything that's going on with us, but that's okay because Jesus is. Uh, Jesus knows everything that we're going through. We, we, we really need to probably point the kids to Jesus and his care, both for Grandma and for us. That's one I hear a lot. Uh, that's probably others, but I hear it quite a bit. Sure, sure. So how will you be observing All Saints Day? How do how do we typically observe All Saints Day in the church? What we do in the church service, you know what, I'll tell you what, we have, uh, civically speaking, we have a day called Memorial Day, and I do think that oftentimes people will go visit graves, especially the military, of course, on those days, and that's a good day, civically speaking. The equivalent of that, ecclesiastically, in the church is All Saints Day. And we do well, I think, uh, to make it a point to go visit the cemetery. Um, those bodies of our dear saints are sanctified through holy baptism. And the body is there sleeping, uh, waiting for the day when it'll be raised. And so it's just a nice thing. This would be a decent day, I think, if it's a nice day out, to take the kids and go visit the cemetery. I'm a proponent of visiting the cemetery. I, I, don't, I just don't. I have a lot of people say, what's the point? It's just a body that's not there anymore. But that's not a Christian view, and so I think it's a helpful thing to go. But the main thing that we should do on to remember the saints is to go where we are closest to them. Um, And where we are closest to them, according to Hebrews, really you could read the entire book of Hebrews on this, is when we go to church. Because when we're at church... We, know, we certainly know the saints right now in their souls are surrounding Jesus, that they're there. We see it in Revelation 7, 14, and, and elsewhere. They're there before Jesus worshiping. When we, though, go to the divine service on Sunday morning, so also we are surrounding Jesus, and most particularly when we go to Holy Communion, where he comes to us with his body and blood, we're surrounding Jesus. So now, look, maybe we can't see the saints, but we know that they are there because Jesus is there and Jesus is with us. So the best way to remember our loved ones is to go to communion, uh, or go to, go, to, go to church. Now, if you want to get kind of specific, at, at our services on All Saints Day, 
whenever that happens to be, we do name names. Um, and we name the names of our own members who have died and gone to heaven the previous year since the previous All Saints Day. In our case, it's usually five, seven, nine different names. And we invite the families, in fact, of those saints to come and hear their name read off and take time to recall these loved ones and what Christ Jesus has done for them. Um, that's a few different things. You mentioned going to the place where there, where it, uh, where you're closest to those, to those saints, and that being, you know, where God's word is proclaimed, where we receive His gifts. I've I've heard before from uh, in more than just one occasion uh, that uh, when we gather around the Lord's table, quite often the, the the communion rail around an altar is is sometimes shaped in a, a semicircle yeah, or or right. you know something resembling a. Uh, a rough semicircle, reminding us that it's it's half of a picture. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's picking up on this um, the, the the Hebrews twelve uh, one um, image that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and it's also in the proper preface to Holy Communion. Uh, to, to, so together with the saints, the angels, archangels, and with all the saints, we laud and magnify your glorious name. So we're acknowledging there that we are praising the Lord Jesus not all by ourselves but with all the saints of God and all the angels and all the, the, the echelons of angels in heaven are there in a tiny little church service here. But that's what we have. Yeah, that's right. That's a nice picture with the semicircle altar or a rail around the altar. Other things from, uh, from All Saints Day that, uh, that in ways in which we commemorate or, or observe this day? You know, I think that, uh, yeah, what I think is helpful is to move from the conversation um, of how the saints are doing now, uh, and that conversation is mainly that they're free of sin and pain, but to move from that to what the Bible is always pushing us toward, and that is our condition with the saints, uh, we together with them on the last day and forever and ever. And there I think that what we need to be teaching is that when Jesus died for us on the cross and forgave us all of our sins, he wasn't just fixing our soul, but he was indeed fixing our bodies, and he was fixing the whole planet that was cursed, and all the heavens and all the earth, and he was, uh, he was paving the way for the perfect heavens and earth that will live on forever. And now this is the thing that I think the kids are so interested in, what is heaven going to be like? Will there be trees? Well, yeah, there'll be trees because God made there to be trees, like in the Garden of Eden. And he's going to uh, bring all that back. Will there be dirt? Will there be exploration? Uh, will there be music in heaven? Will there be eating and drinking and physical? Bo- uh, we can begin to teach them how interesting heaven will be when we're all there together. It's a, good, it's a nice mm, takeoff point. Uh, because remember, when we're remembering all the saints of God, we remember those who have died, particularly that's appropriate. But part of the all the saints isn't just them, but it's also me and us, and that this is not just what they have, but it's what we look forward to and will have. So I think that's helpful. Other aspects of communicating or teaching what eternal life means 
for you know helping children understand eternal life. Particularly, I, I appreciate that that you talked about you know all of creation, uh, you know trees and things like that uh, being included in that. With that uh, that glorious time when when Christ returns. Um, yeah, I, you talk about that, but I, the, the helpful thing, the comforting thing for kids is to recognize that the saints in heaven are, at least as Revelation 7 pictures them and elsewhere in the Bible, have their robes washed. And what that means is that they are perfected and that they're perfected not by their own good works or how well they've been able to do so that they might get into heaven but that they, their robes have been washed by the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb. And that clearly means that because Jesus has died for us, and that because he's risen again from the dead, that we are now perfected. And it, so we can fight against the common myth that we kind of have to do good enough uh, in order to get into heaven, uh, and re- instead paint a picture for kids that we are sinful, sure, and we feel that, but God doesn't feel it. God doesn't see it in us, because what he sees in us is Christ. So we're already perfect, and we've, we have that perfection through our baptism. And so whether we're young or old, whether a person was bad or good, you know, whatever that means, when you die through faith in Jesus, you're already there. You go immediately there. There's no stopping off point. Ah, uh, there's no time in purgatory. <laughs> no, 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 sort of cleaning up time. Um, baptism is the time when we became clean. There's no intervening thing. We're already there. It's just a matter of now, of just waiting and going one day to the next, trusting the Lord um, to be there. Hmm. What's your favorite uh, hymn for All Saints Day? <laughs> Oh, <clears throat> well, the hymn of the day is typically for all the saints. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough one uh, because uh, that was my uh, my grandma's funeral. <clears throat> so I can uh, I, I don't often get through that one. Uh, but the uh, I think, though, the best one is the hymn. And I don't remember the n- numbers because I haven't made the transition fully to the new hymnal. I have the new hymnal. I just I think in the red <laughs> hymnal, which I kind of cut my teeth on, it was uh, hymn 656. I don't know what it is in the new one, but it's Behold a Host mm. Arrayed in White. And it's this magnificent picture of the, the Revelation 7 picture of all the saints in heaven who are praising the Lord. So reread that. That's nice. I also like Jerusalem the Golden. Uh, that's an old, old hymn. It was written at a time when things were not very good in the Lord's Church uh, on, on earth, and that saints were looking more towards their life in heaven and yearning to be in their home in heaven. Uh, so you can reread Jerusalem the Golden, which is also magnificent. A great time to uh, to spend some time, some sit-down time looking at hymns and uh, reading over them, singing them together as a family, too. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think one of the nice things you could read, there's a passage, it's Revelation chapter 6, and there is a po- point in there. It's a little, uh, Revelation is always tough, but there is a place there in Revelation 6, the verses I'm not exactly sure, but you can look and you'll see there the observation of souls in heaven under the altar. And they are praying to the Lord. And you can make all kinds of observations about that little passage about what our, uh, what our saints are going through in heaven. 
uh, that they can speak, that they sing or speak together, that Jesus talks to them, that they're waiting for us, and so on. A nice little section for that, too. Our guest today, the Reverend Jared Milius, pastor of Mount Zion Lutheran Church in Denver, Colorado. Pastor Milius, thanks for helping us look through these topics and observe All Saints Day to give thanks to God for those who have gone before us who now rest in Christ Jesus. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. This is great. God's blessings on your ministry there at Mount Zion. Thank you. Thank you. 